Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Welcome back. Today I'm going to talk about the art of marriage in 15 minutes. Um, life is a journey, and so every marriage is unique. It's not about rules, and it's not about roles. It's about, as a Christian, demonstrating the presence of the life of Christ within our marriage, demonstrating in that marriage how we are the bride of Christ. Our marriage is so much bigger than we are, and God has great plans for your marriage. Um, it's Your marriage isn't just intended for you. It's intended for others, and it's a living image. And we have to recognize, too, we've been entrusted with the heart of another to love them, protect them, to want their good. So God didn't make men and women exactly alike. Uh, the differences, the diversities are all part of his plans and they're to be celebrated because that's what brings interest and fullness. And when joined, uh, one plus one is so much more uh, in synergy than just an addition of two people. It's a new entity. It's blessed by God from the very beginning to becoming one, which is what he anticipates and what he planned. And our faith should show up. It should show up and brim over in our marriages. I've heard marriage called Sanctification 501. Um, that's certainly true because marriage does get to our real issues selfishness, defensiveness, living with another, and so on. So I'm a bit of a fan of all things royal, European royalty. I lived in Scotland for a few years. And so in uh, April of 2011, I watched as Princess William and Catherine got married. And in part of that ceremony, the Bishop of London gave a short, succinct, but a very beautiful address to them. And I'd like to just read a couple of paragraphs from that. Marriage is intended to be a way in which man and woman help each other to become what God meant each one to be, their deepest and truest selves. I love that, their deepest and truest selves. Uh, that sounds pretty different than some of our 21st century ideas about happiness and romance, doesn't it? Faithful and committed relationships offer a door into the mystery of spiritual life in which we discover the more we give of self, the richer we become in soul. The more we go beyond ourselves in love, the more we become our true selves and our Spiritual beauty is more fully revealed. In marriage, we're seeking to bring one another into fuller life. Marriage should transform. It's possible to transform as long as we do not harbor ambitions to reform our partner. There must be no coercion if the spirit is to flow. Each must give the other space and freedom. As we move toward our partner in love, the Holy Spirit is quickened within us and we can increasingly fill our lights with life. I think that is so beautiful. Um, Dr. Lucien Beauvais called a marriage a work of art. 
And it really is work. If we're to do it well, we have to work at our marriages. We have to make it want to work. We have to take the time that's required. So I want to talk about a few trios in marriage. All right. Um, and I'm sure there are more, but these are, these are some that come to my mind. The first and most important is the man, the woman, and the Lord, the husband, the wife, and Jesus. So making him Lord of our marriage means we can trust him to speak to us about our spouse. We can also trust him to speak to our spouse about us. And that means we need to be listening and we can receive from the spirit what we both need. If we're alive in the spirit and to the spirit, we're more alive in our marriages to one another. His living within us increases our ability to love, to understand, to see, to know the other person. And we shouldn't look to our spouse to give us really the deepest needs only God could give. A lot of times in marriage, we do that. You know, give me what I need. You must give me what I need. But no other human being is fully equipped or capable of that, which keeps us from some codependency. Uh, the second trio I want to talk about is love, trust, and honor. I see that as the three legs of a stool. And these are marriage builders. So love isn't about a feeling, even a romantic feeling. Love really is a choice to do good for the other. And if we take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, we see it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't keep an account of wrongs, and so on. Um, second thing, trust. Trust is an essential building block of marriage because to know you're safe in a relationship is crucial. Safety is so important uh, internally to us human beings, safety. And sometimes our relationships actually uh, traumatize us instead of keeping us safe. So what, uh, what erodes trust? What erodes love and trust? Betrayal, lies, ignoring the other. They don't build trust. Um, John Gottman is a secular researcher. He's done a lot of good research on Mary's on marriage, and he calls these his four horsemen of the apocalypse, which just always, <laughs> I see these four horsemen riding in with destruction. But the first thing he says, it begins with criticism. And criticism is when we attack our spouse's character. Then that can move into a form of contempt, where we are actually attacking their sense of self. These do not build up. The next thing is defensiveness. Defensiveness, where I feel like the victim. And so I'm building a narrative that makes me innocent and makes you the bad person, rather than living undefended. And then the last one he calls uh, these destructive ones is stonewalling where we ignore, where we withhold, where we avoid, where we withdraw. Sometimes we do have to withhold or withdraw out of necessity uh, in wisdom, but I'm talking about when we do it in spite and instead of building our marriage. So love, trust, and then honor. I love that word rather than just respect. I feel like it carries a lot more weight. And we see Peter talking about this in 1 Peter 3, one through eight. 
He speaks of honor as an ingredient of grace-filled marriages. To dishonor our spouse really is to dishonor the Lord. We don't see it that way a lot of times, but it is. And we need to learn to honor our spouse and to honor the Jesus in them and listen to what he's showing us about them. Uh, he addresses wives and he says, you do this with a, a gentle spirit. He addresses husbands and he says, you honor your wives by living with them, getting to know them, living with them in an understanding way, knowing they're different than you. And then he talks about becoming joint heirs. I just love that phrase or heirs together of the grace of life that puts us in a unique position in marriage joint heirs of his grace. Then in verse eight, he invites us to cultivate some character qualities, some dispositions, like-mindedness, compassion, humility. So let's look at the next trio. Um, humility, acceptance, and appreciation. Humility is so important to humble ourselves, to know we could be wrong, to know we've made mistakes. Even if your partner has a reaction that's too big, we still have to own our part in it and develop humility and learn to be much less defensive, to wait and to listen. That takes a lot of humility uh, to be slow to speak, to be quick to hear, as James says. The next part of this trio is acceptance. You often walk down the aisle to an idealized version of that person in your own mind. And uh, God accepts us just as we really are. And so as we live with our spouse, we begin to see, oh, they're not the idealized version. I have something a little different. So learning to accept them as they are because when we start trying to control and manipulate and coerce someone to change, that never brings health in the marriage. And no one person should have all the power in a marriage. No one person should have control of the finances or uh, the children or any of the other decisions. That's really problematic. And often the more immature we are, the more fearful we are, and the more fearful we are, the more we try to control or the more we allow ourselves to be controlled, neither of which is of the Spirit of the Lord. But when we understand and accept one another, that really is fertile soil for marriage to grow good crops. And we learn to accept the other person as God accepts us. Paul Tournier wrote in an old book called To Understand Each Other, he who loves understands and he who understands love. To fail to understand one's spouse is a failure to grow and fulfill one's responsibility. If you assume you know them, you've given up discovery and willingness to understand and grow. Assuming you know is a marriage killer. And then the last of this trio is simply learning to be appreciative and to express it verbally. Uh, the last trio I wanna talk about is receive, give, and exchange well. So for example, we learn to talk, but we also learn to listen. 
without assumptions. We come to places of understanding based in goodwill. And I say goodwill because we need to feel like if we're going to talk to someone, there's going to be a warm receptivity. There's going to be attentive listening. There's going to be curiosity and a, a reaching for one another. So one Sunday afternoon, a few years back, I was having a late lunch at La Madeline. You may or may not know that restaurant. It was uh, begun by a Frenchman who moved to Dallas and started his first La Madeleine restaurant there. Um, so I was having lunch and they had just made quite a few changes and a gentleman walked up to me and he said, hello, and he introduced himself and he said, I just wanna know what you like or don't like about the changes we've made. And so I gave him my opinion and we started chatting and I found out he was the owner and uh, very interesting guy. And so we talked about his personal life. He has this, like a longtime girlfriend of 20 years. And I said, so what's the secret of your relationship? And he said, I learned to listen. I learned to listen to her. And not surprisingly, later he wrote a book called Listen, Adapt, Surprise. And so he's successful in both his relationship and his business. So in marriage, we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to talk frankly. Um, it can cause upset, but it's the way to move forward into deeper understanding and emotional uh, intimacy. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to tackle problems together, to learn how to have fair fights, uh, to learn how to have healthy disagreements and not just you know, box a little bit and then go into your corner and lick your wounds. There's no real forward movement in that. So I want to close with uh, uh, Matthew 19, 11 in the message. Uh, it says, marriage requires, requires a certain aptitude and grace. It requires aptitude. We have to learn some things how to communicate, how to balance a budget, how to live with another person. We can learn, but it requires grace. We give and we receive grace because we've been given the grace of God. And then he says, the next verse, verse 12, he talks about growing into the largeness of marriage. I really like that. Some people see marriage as limiting, but it's not. We're to grow into the largeness of it. Uh, when it's well done. And God gives us the beautiful grace for that. He empowers and offers us grace for our marriage to make it large, to make it beautiful on the earth. So I hope these thoughts have helped you and um, hope to see you next time.